game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Left-hand shot. Suter weaves his way into the oiler end. Here's Suter, the backhand, and that gets by Campbell. And the Red Wings will win it in a shootout. As he got it just under the pad of Campbell, 5-4 will be the final. That is the game-deciding goal. Pugh Suter for the Detroit Red Wings. They win it 5-4 tonight at Rogers Place. So the Oilers now 30-19-6 on the season. The Oilers trailed most of the game. The Wings went ahead 4-17 into the game, and the Oilers didn't tie it up until 5-27 into the third period. The Oilers did carry most of the play. 45-23 were the shots on goal, but the Wings got a couple on a power play. Jack Campbell probably didn't have quite the night he would have liked, even though he came up with a couple of big saves in the third period when it was tied. And so Detroit now has won their fourth in a row, so they keep on thinking about making a charge for a playoff spot with 29 games remaining, and the Oilers remain in that tight race in the Pacific Division. Thanks a lot for joining us. It is 20-11 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, man, a lot to talk about tonight. The Oilers do just enough to get a point out of this one, but probably a lot of guys sitting in that dressing room this evening thinking, uh, thinking, what if? What if I'd made this play, done this, done this? Maybe it's two this evening. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is a game that the Oilers had ample opportunities to, you know, put, Rob, put this let, game away. Rob, I'm just going to jump in. We're going to go straight down to head coach Jay Woodcroft here. Well, I, I thought um, there was... You know, we had control of a lot of the parts of that game. Um, I didn't mind our start. I thought uh, we generated enough chances to win the game. But I just thought we were a little bit sloppy in, in some of our details. Um, you know, we lost the special teams game, which isn't conducive to winning hockey games if you if you lose the special teams game. And then, you know, I thought there were, there were a couple moments within the game where... We were uh, the architects of our own chance against. And, um, you know, we, uh, we gave up two goals off faceoffs where we iced the puck prior to um, the faceoff goal against. So uh, there's areas for us to, to get better. Um, but that said, there, you know, I thought we had the bulk of the play in the game. I was actually just going to ask you about those details that you kind of brought up. Um, how concerning are those to a coach because they seem like things that could be pretty correct like well yeah um they got to get corrected there's no excuses for them um we can be better in those situations the individuals responsible understand that uh we understand that collectively um you know but we'll take the point we'll move on to tomorrow's practice how are you feeling about defensively the way you guys have been here maybe the last week or so uh, a few goals you gave up tonight but just overall you were pretty solid for a long stretch there defensively do you feel like you're close to that or how do you feel you're yeah you know what I think we were averaging somewhere like 2.5 2 point you know it was in that range for a long period of time I think in the last 
two games specifically, so the one in Montreal and then tonight we gave up a lot more than we wanted to. As I said to DNB, for me, um, a lot of it came off of our own sticks. If you actually go and look at the, the chances in the game, um, you know, there wasn't as many as some games where you know, we're a little bit better defensively, but the mistakes were costly, and certainly we can be better. Is this just the ebbs and flows of, uh, of a season or the last, you know, couple of games, something that you need to put your foot on and stop? Well, I think we went on a pretty good run, and that's a credit to our players uh, for putting that run together. Um, I think what good teams do, though, is they respond um, to efforts that, uh, maybe, um, you know, weren't their finest hour. Uh, certainly the one in Montreal, um, to a man, all of us weren't good enough that day. Uh, today, as I said, I thought we did a lot of good things, but some of the mistakes we made were were key errors at, at the wrong time, and that forced us to chase the game the entire game. Uh, it's a credit to our guys who got better as it went along. I think we were down 2 nothing after the first. It, both teams scored two goals in the second, and we scored two goals in the third uh, we found a way to eke out a point I think that's a good sign but uh, as I said to Ryan and, and DNB we can be a lot better in certain situations Jay you know the, the shootouts kind of a, a crap shoot a little bit how, how in depth do you look when you're, you're making it up like it's, you got three guys it's, it seems pretty obvious who they are but you know Leon's you know he says hey he's they're crap shoot. He's struggled for whatever reason mm -hmm. the last three years on, on shootouts for him. And Kane's actually surprisingly never scored. Do, do you have a shootout specialist on your team that, that, uh, that's down the lineup? I, I, don't, I don't know that we have a shootout specialist. What we do, we spend a lot of time talking about it. Uh, summertime, we spend a lot of time studying it. Um, you know, uh, big believer in past history, um, you know, but then there's times for gut feel as well. You know, I think this might have been Zach Hyman's first penalty sh or, uh, excuse me, shootout attempt. He scored on a penalty shot in Ottawa. Um, you know, that went into that decision at, at that time, um, but certainly we can be better. Um, we can be better and uh, you know uh, we didn't get the point tonight in the skills contest but as I said um, you know there were numerous chances to win that game Day Harney, an illness is, is yeah. it short term you expecting him back Friday yeah, no he showed up to the rink this morning not feeling 100% and uh, was unfit to play it's been a while since you've had 60 how did, how did you feel the 12-6 was going back to it how did you feel your team responded yeah, I think we have that flexibility to play either way. Um, for me, uh, you know, there are advantages to both. Um, you know, I think uh, we'll see how stuff plays out, but it's good to know that you can do something if you ever need to. You mentioned that uh, you lost the special teams. You had a power play with three minutes to go in the game. What did Detroit do against you on that late power play where you didn't really get too many chances? Yeah, well, um, they forced us to break out a few times. And anytime you do that, you're killing uh, part of the clock. Um, you know, we weren't as smooth as we normally are. Uh, but that said, uh, our power play did convert in the third period, got us a big goal, big reason why we were able to get the point. And uh, what, would, what would you, uh, or what do you make rather of, of Jack Campbell's play tonight? Yeah, I mean, Jack uh, was, 
um, you know, allowed us to get a point in the game. I thought his save in the third period off of blown coverage, um, he bailed the teammate out there, um, which I thought was good. Um, you know, there might be one or so that he wants to have back, but that that's hockey. No one's perfect, but I, it's a big factor in us getting uh, at least one point tonight. Good. Thanks, guys. Okay, that is Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft at the mic for Eclipse Restoration, named one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit eclipse247.ca. 5-4, the Wings take it in a shootout as I'll bring Rob Brown back in after uh, Woody spoke there. But he talked a little bit about the details, a couple of face-off plays, a couple of power plays to go against, uh, goals against for the Red Wings tonight. Because, you know, in the offensive zone, I think, I liked a lot of things the Oilers did. Well, this goes back to what we talked over the last few months, that when the Oilers started playing better and started piling up the wins and moving up in the standings, it's because they were playing better defensively. They didn't have to be any better offensively. They just had to be a smarter defensive hockey club and uh, have the ability to win a game 3-2 or 4-2, or whatever it was uh, tonight, because there's some nights where he might be the best goal-scoring goal team in the National Hockey League. Sometimes the puck doesn't go in. And the puck didn't go in a long time tonight. The Detroit Red Wings blocked a lot of shots and got fantastic goaltending, but the Oilers did have some breakdowns. And as much as they were the better team in this game, uh, the Detroit Red Wings deserved their four goals and might have deserved another two, uh, especially the Bertuzzi one in the third period. So this was, as Jay Woodcroft said, he liked a lot about this game, but there were some things that were self-inflicted in this hockey game where poor reads, uh, turning the puck over at the wrong point, uh, not boxing guys out in front of the net, things that they're capable of doing, and they just weren't as sharp defensively as they have been in the past. That allowed Detroit to, to hang around. So there was a lot of good things. The Oilers were the better team, but in a, when the Oilers start playing better teams, and they're going to start on Friday, those teams feast on the mistakes that the Oilers made in the first 40 minutes. Well, and a very good New York Ranger team coming in on Friday, which we'll talk about as we move along here tonight. The shootout lasted five rounds. McDavid had the only goal for Edmonton. Perron scored for the Wings, and then we had the highlight there off the top. Hugh Suter got the uh, winner for Detroit. I, I feel like, Rob, you know, we've seen Perron. We played here. We've seen him in the long, a long time. I, I, he scores. I would describe him as a crafty player uh maybe not a blazer if you were going to evaluate his speed but i like what i mean he went in, in as fast as anybody on his attempt oh he did is that well he, not as fast as anybody he went fast for himself going in there but it, he's got incredible hands uh you don't have the success that he's had in the national hockey league without having great hands because he's not he's not blessed with speed he's not a big man he plays with uh you know ill intent like he plays angry out there he he, he gets involved uh, but when he's got the puck on his stick or if he's around the net uh, he, the puck usually finds the back of the net and he had great hands on the goal that he scored I honestly thought that when Larkin didn't win it I thought that the advantage went strictly to the Oilers they had more depth on their bench because they hadn't used Hyman they hadn't used Kane uh, they got a number of guys that are skilled and when you watch the Detroit players their next couple that came out I mean they outside of their goal scores the ones that they didn't score on they didn't get any chances like they they looked sloppy they look like players that don't get a lot of breakaways uh but uh great goaltending equalizes everything and then Suter goes in and makes a nice move but it was uh 
it's shocking that the Oilers are going to shootouts when they have Connor and Leon because we've seen so much success over the years with them five on or three excuse me three on three teams are just not taking chances when Connor and Leon are on the ice they're like all right if you're coming down we're not going to trade chances which we've seen in the past and the success that we normally see at a Connor and Leon in overtime we haven't seen as of late it is interesting the Oilers record after 60 minutes so in games that have gone to overtime they're now two and six that's two and three in games decided three on three and they're now oh and three in shootouts as we 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 looked this up the other day because Hyman had a penalty shot he'd never had a shootout attempt and this is his first one Evander Kane in in shootout attempts in the NHL is now three for 25. I know they said that he went fifth they said that on tv shocking that's shocking Reed. yeah like it's well, it's like, it's like Reed, uh, for years, the Sedins in Vancouver, they didn't let them take shootouts. I'm like, okay, those are the two best players that Vancouver ever has had. But to me, shootouts are completely different than breakaways. When you're on a breakaway, you have no time to think. You're, someone's chasing you, and you're normally trying to, okay, I got to extend away from that guy. Okay, he's got to stick here, so I got to make sure I turn my body this way. And the shot in a breakaway is instinctive. When you shoot in a shootout, you're thinking the whole time. And some players are very good at that. And some players, they start thinking, and all of a sudden, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot. Okay, I'm going to deke now. And they get in their own way. So it's much easier when you're being chased than it is when you're going in all, your, all, all on your own. And as we've seen, some guys don't have the success you would expect them to have. To me, the Oilers, it's the fact that they're getting to shootouts mm-hmm. is what's shocking to me. And I think just teams have looked and studied how Connor and Leon play, and they're just like, we're not going to trade chances. We're not going to try out two-on-one, and then and then all of a sudden you're coming back the other way because it's not going to end up well for us. And you see when Connor and Leon are out there uh, a couple of games ago, uh, I think it was Tortorella and Columbus, they played two defensemen against Connor and Leon. And then tonight, the Red Wings, there was always three guys back. Connor and Leon just aren't getting those odd man breaks, and teams are playing against them smarter. Well, the best scoring chance in overtime was Bouchard. He took the shot on the two-on-one with Kane, and then 16 seconds later, he and Kane had another two-on-one. And I thought Bouchard there, Rob, I'm curious what you thought because the the defenseman was really taking away the pass, and Bouchard kind of slowed, uh, slowed down, and then he accelerated, and he did get in behind there, but the pass just got disrupted. Well, yeah, it, there was a – Bouchard made a really nice play in his own zone to start the whole thing off. He faked one way got the forward to bite, and then he took off. And I know there's a lot of talk about uh, Bouchard at some t- at times looks like he skates lazy, but he's fast, and the defender couldn't catch him. They went around two-on-one, and I'm all for shooting on a two-on-one. And Evan Bouchard, one of his biggest attributes is his shot. So if they give you a shot on a two-on-one, take it, absolutely. But the problem is if you miss the net or, well, most actually, if you don't score on a two-on-one, it's usually coming back the other way because that puck gets pushed past your two forwards and now they're going the other way. And the Detroit Red Wings had their chance, but they kind of fumbled it around too. Uh, the the power, the three-on-three became much more exciting actually when Connor and Leon left the ice because then the Detroit Red Wings were willing to trade chances and both teams had a couple good ones. So the Wings take it 5-4 in a shootout. Uh, the three stars uh, announced in the building tonight. Nugent Hopkins, number one, he had two goals 
Dylan Larkin gets second star. McDavid, who's now at 99 points, gets the third star. Uh, Rob and I give out the fourth star of the game for Cougar Paint Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years. and Or pardon me, uh, the fourth star is for Jandell Holmes, Rob, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. Uh, I, I will nominate Derek Ryan. He's he's up to nine goals, Rob, and we've talked about him before. Um, you know, depth player doesn't play with the big guys, and, and he's got more goals than some players who have played with the big guys at some times this season. Anytime someone on your fourth line puts a goal, and it's it just a huge bo- uh, bonus for your team and a huge boost on your bench. Uh, not only did he score, he had actually one of the prettiest plays in the game. He got two, on, or as a two-on-two, he and Connor McDavid on a delayed penalty. Uh, he gave the puck to McDavid, snuck between the two defensemen, and actually beat Huso pretty good. He had him going the wrong way. He just shot the puck into the glove. He had a hole open net. Uh, Derek Ryan, it, it's. I know that there's talk about depth players coming in. They need some more guys up front. They need Ford's bigger guy, guy that can win faceoffs. Derek Ryan just kind of shuts out the noise and just goes out and does his business. And uh, he's going to end up probably with. 10 plus goals on the season and in an average what eight minutes a night with no power play time and no time with anyone in the top six that's a nice season for Derek Ryan who continues to impress all right five four the wings take it in a shootout over the Oilers so they've won four in a row the Oilers now nine one and three in their last 13 games ever since they had their six game winning streak they've gone three one and three so as Rob was talking about uh, not much success in games that go to overtime and then sometimes a shootout you can get in touch seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three that is the hotline for certain teed the pros choice for roofing siding drywall insulation and ceiling systems certain teed pro all the way we'll get to some of your phone calls and more reaction from the Oilers dressing room. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. This report brought to you by Furnace Family. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. And now Larkin comes into the Oiler and Larkin pass across. One-timer. Oh, the save by Campbell off of Bertuzzi. He got it with a left path. That was some stop. Brilliant save by Jack Campbell with 7.23 left in the third period. The game was tied at four at the time. The Oilers do lose 5-4 in a shootout. That's your save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Rob, kind of a, a a weird night for Campbell. His stats after the second period did not look good. He'd been beaten four times on 14 shots. Huge save there, allowing the game to get into overtime. Well, the one thing that you and I talked about at the beginning of the second period is that Campbell was going to have to have a clean sheet in the third. He was going to have to make a save or two because we didn't feel that the Oilers were going to be able to score three. We felt, you know, they can come back and tie the game, but having to score six might be too much. And uh, Campbell made a save when he had to. And, and that's huge. And that was a perfectly executed two-on-one by the Detroit Red Wings. Larkin made an absolute perfect saucer pass, landed it perfectly where Bertuzzi needed it, and Bertuzzi hammered it. He, tr- he hit the middle of the net. He got full wood on it. So that was a nice save by Campbell. And in all honesty, if that goes in, I'm not sure if the Oilers come back. That would have They would have had to come back again in a hockey game. That might have been too much. Campbell gave him a chance, got him a point. Well, and they had a chance late in regulation to tie it, Rob. They did get a power play with 2.55 left. First of all, the setup for the play that led to the penalty 
Detroit had cleared the puck and passed it back into their own end because two of the Oilers were actually in an offside position. But if it, but if the other team puts it back into 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 their end, you're not offside. Hyman was driving to the net. Sherratt lifts his stick and, and wound up poking him in the face. So the Oilers got that late power play, called a timeout halfway through, but uh, just couldn't come through with the game winner. Well, and I know that we we talked about it, and Jay Woodcroft talked about it they, on that power play. Why didn't it work? Well, they had to keep breaking out of their own zone, and that was because the Detroit Red Wings kept winning face-offs when they were shorthanded there, and that was huge. And the Oilers never got the, the one clean look that they wanted. Uh, give credit to the penalty killers for the Red Wings. They got the extra point tonight on the back of their penalty killing. So uh, the, the Oilers' power play scored a, a, a nice goal, an important goal in the third period, but I, I'm sure that sitting on the bench after that power play ended, there was probably some frustration. I, I tell you, I'm sitting watching the game. I'm thinking, okay, here, this is just right into the script. The others come back in the third. They get a couple power plays. They put the puck in the net. This is how they're going to win the hockey game. Uh, a power play that's been excellent all season long had an opportunity to steal them another point and wasn't able to do it. Power plays tonight. The Wings go two for two, and the Oilers go one for three. Five, four. Wings take it in a shootout. Whenever the Oilers get to five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. They are Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurants. Come in and check out their new location, 3975 Calgary Trail. Okay, 780-496-0063 is the Certainty Hotline. Jake has called in tonight. Jake, thanks for calling go ahead hey boys first off i just want to say what a great game tonight it's too bad we couldn't get the win um i just wanted to uh talk about the trade rumors with uh, carlson sure i just wanted to know what you guys think about uh if we aren't able to pick up a guy like him or someone of this caliber could that be a missed opportunity for where the team's at right now and what would you guys be willing to give up to secure someone like him uh good questions now uh, if they can't get him, I don't think it'd be classified as a missed opportunity. I think there might be just an impossibility. Uh, the amount of money that San Jose has to re retain. The Oilers can't do it unless San Jose or some other team retains money. The Oilers can't afford $11.5 million this year and in the next four years. They just don't have it in their budget. Uh, as for... Would it be great if he was here, Fan? Absolutely. I mean, he's having a career year, and he's had a pretty good career. Uh, the Oilers, and, and, and I think that, I mean, we could be surprised by Ken Holland, and a lot of times the media is because we see one thing and then all of a sudden something else happens. But to me, Ken Holland has kind of given hints towards what's going to happen at the deadline when he continues to say it's money in, money out. If we want to take someone in that makes $3 million, we've got to get rid of $3 million. If we want someone to make $6 million, we've got to get rid of $6 million. That's just the way their salary cap is set up. Uh, I, I, I honestly can't see any possibility of Eric Carlson coming here. I, I hope, hope I'm wrong because it'd be fun and the team would be much better. I just can't see it happen. As for what you'd give up, they're going to ask for a lot. Hey, Reed, I mean, you think about if you think just the trade for Carlson is going to be one thing, then you're also going to have to trade something else for either San Jose or another team to eat four to five million dollars. Yeah. So it's almost like it's two different trades, one for the player and one for the amount of money that you need someone to eat so that the others don't have to take the whole salary. It's 
An interesting question, Rob, and we have talked about it off and on. I, I talked about about it extensively on Inside Sports Monday night. And, and like, I, I find it, and, and you know how I feel about trade rumors, and I, and I said to people tuning in Monday, I said, you might think I've been possessed by someone else because I'm going to talk about a trade rumor extensively tonight. But it is interesting to talk about. And a, a listener wrote in and said, well, you know, the Oilers aren't quite there yet. This isn't a go-for-it year. And my response was, well, we've said that three years in a row. At what point is it a go-for-it year? And now, I, I, I don't have an answer in my own head because I go back and forth on it. But what if you get the rest of this year and two really good years of Eric Carlson and then he drops off? Is that worth it? What, what if he's good? For, I mean, if you knew that he was going to be great for the entire contract, you might make the trade. What if he's never going to be as good as, as good as again? Is 80% of what he is this year good enough? Is 70% of what he is this year good enough? I, I had a buddy uh, text me on the weekend and, and saying that Carlson puts you closer to the Stanley Cup than Bouchard. Then, oh. So you make the trade. And, you know, Bob was talking before the game. Yeah. Well, you can't give up on, on Bouchard. He does a lot of things to drive the play. Like, it's it's such a, it's a really interesting well, chat to me. It was, so a few things. A, I do believe the Oilers are close. And I do believe this is an all-in season if you can make a trade. Uh, if you look around at the other teams uh, in, in the Pacific, right now Vegas is in first place. Vegas has got their best player is injured and might not come back this year. And they're starting goaltender is injured and he's out for two three weeks at least and i don't even when they're fully healthy i don't i don't get, take them over the oilers the seattle kraken no uh los angeles has goaltending so there's no one in the pacific that scares me i mean they're capable of beating the Oilers, but it's there's no world beaters in our division then you look at the other division uh colorado is struggling they've got injuries they're not the same team as last year dallas is a good team but really it's it's the same, more or less, same team they had last year that lost out in the first round. So in the Western Conference, I, I think there's about six or seven teams that firmly believe they can win the conference. So yes, I do believe the Oilers have a great chance of coming out of this conference and making a trade will make, especially for Carlson, would certainly make a difference. I don't think it's looking at what Carlson can give you this year or next year. I just don't think the Oilers have the money to be able to do it. I just don't think they have the room to be able to make this trade happen. Uh, and as far as Carlson and Bouchard, well, there's no comparison between the two players. Bouchard's uh, got potential, and there's good things about him. There's things he still needs to work on. But Eric Carlson is a Hall of Famer. Eric Carlson is going to win the Norris. Uh, there's no comparison between the two. So, yes, Eric Carlson puts this team a lot closer to a Stanley Cup than Evan Bouchard is, and that's nothing against Bouchard. That's just how good Eric Carlson is. And, and again, and Bob and I talked about this. Bob did a great uh, uh, chat segment on his, on his show, I think, yesterday about it. We we tend to look at things from an Oilers-centric perspective. And then there's, to me, there's a very simple thing. Like, forget about, if you can for a second, forget about any player from any team that the Sharks could get for first Eric Carlson, whether it's the Oilers, the Rangers, whoever For, forget about all that you have to think about mike greer going to his owner and saying hey you know how we're paying brent burns almost three million dollars a season not to play for us i want to i want to pay eric carlson four and a half million dollars a year not to pay for us you know like yeah, there's, well, 100%. There's, a point, there's a point where an order is going to say 
look, we we got a star it, player here. I want to sell seasons tickets next year. At least I want to say we have him, right? Well, and it, it's not 4.5 for the rest of this year. 4.5 well, I mean, for, for this year. Next seasons, year. Yeah. yeah, it's four more years after this year. And if you're trying to rebuild and and bring in new blood, well, you've already handcuffed yourself. And we've seen right now with the Minnesota Wild. They're eat. I, I think they had another year or two of $13 million. They're eating to get rid of players. And it now they've actually... We're hoping to make a push this year, but they're they're completely handcuffed. So if the San Jose Sharks two years from now, okay, we're starting to get into the right frame of mind. Let's go sign some free agents. Oh, that's right. We got all this money on the books because we're paying our star player, Eric Carlson, to star for the Edmonton Oilers. I, I just, that's why it's two trades. If you trade for Eric Carlson, it's two trades. You're trading for the player, so you got to give me this much to get Eric Carlson. And now you might have to give me more to eat $5 million a year. Because they're going to be eating at 4.5 or 5 million. That's 20 million dollars they're going to be eating. So that's going to cost you as well. So that's why I think it's. I don't see the trade happening. Um, but uh, there may be some magic in Ken Holland. I just. I would be shocked if Eric Carlson was playing for the Oilers the remainder of the season. Yeah, it is It is a fun one to discuss uh, for sure. One of the big stories heading up to the trade deadline on Friday, March 3rd. Oilers lose 5-4 in a shootout to the Wings. We have Bill on the Certainty Hotline as well. Hi, Bill. Go ahead. Hey, Bill. All right. Not sure we have Bill. We'll uh, try him again in a second. Instead, let's pop down to the Oilers dressing room here. Two goals tonight for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, obviously we want that extra point. Um, I thought played pretty well through the first 40 and head into the first, or into the second down two, head into the third down two, and uh, thought we did a pretty good job of battling back and um, getting at least one point. But disappointing not to get the second. Um, but, I mean, we can't dwell on it now. It's uh, climbed our way back into that game. Uh, had two power play goals and two face-up goals. I mean, I thought for the most part we carried the play and uh, got ourselves one point. You guys did have uh, seven minutes before you started getting pucks sort of fit their net and shots on that. Was a little sleepy off the start, do you think, tonight? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we could have put more on that early. Um, I thought they came out with some jump, too. and. Uh, Bit of a neutral zone game to start and uh, back and forth a little bit, but I um, made some good saves to keep us going, and then uh, we started to, to build off that in the second half of the first period. When you had two, two on one in the overtime, you had two chances, obviously, you know, back to back two on one. Yeah, um, <clears throat> obviously, you want to be able to put those in. Obviously, you got, guys are trying to score, trying to do everything they can to score, and uh, keep them out on the other on the other end, but uh, couldn't find that extra one there. All right, that is uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins after the Oilers' 5-4 shootout loss to Detroit. Nuge getting goals, uh, one from McDavid and Hyman, one from McDavid and Bouchard. So two points for McDavid. He is under for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. I set the line at two and a half, so Trenton gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card as McDavid is up to 99 points. Okay, 780-496-0063. We will welcome Kevin to the show. Kevin, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, it's good to be here. I just wanted to ask you all about... um realistic trade options for the Oilers. Everybody's talking about Carlson, but that seems like a lot of smoke and mirrors to me. I want to know what we think is a realistic 
um, trade uh, target for the Oilers right now? Oh, good question. Uh, it, well, f just going to the Carlson thing, the thing that's so funny, it was almost unrealistic, but the more there's talk about it, it's like, okay, maybe something's going to happen with someone, <laughs> know, that's shocking as it is. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the others, there's a few. I mean, Chikrin is still around. I'm not sure he's going to come to Edmonton, but he will be moved soon. I think the others would certainly like, I mean, tonight with Deharnay not in the lineup, the others were a little smaller on the back end. They weren't as physical. Uh, they didn't have the shutdown guy in their bottom four. I think they'd love to find someone like that out there. You want to have depth on the back end come playoff time. And I think the Oilers uh, would love to add uh, a physical force in their bottom six up front. I think they just like to find some depth in that spot too. So I think there's going to be some subtle trades at the deadline. I'd, I'd be surprised if there's a big splashy one. I think you'll see more in the next few days as Yamamoto comes back from injury. You're going to see what Ken Holland does to free up some cap space, whether it's Yessi or someone like that, because they do have to move money out somehow. So to me, it's going to be subtle depth type trades that the Edmonton Oilers will make. Yeah, I mean, we'll circle back to a guy Bob's been talking about a lot. Uh, that's that's Sam Lafferty. Um, you know, Bukestad's name has come up a little bit. The I, Russian I, I, defenseman I'm not, I'm not, for Columbus. Like, what's that? The Russian defenseman in Columbus. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if he does much. Is this, right, well, does he provide anything that the orders don't already I, have? I don't know. Well, no. I think I like yeah, Dayarnay. Yes, I think, but he's, I think, a, he's a UFA, I think, right, Rob? Yes. See, that's that's why. He, but he's depth. So he's a depth player that come in. You're going to get rid of him at the end of the season. Uh, to me, I also I hate I hate throwing away first rounders for a guy that's going to be here for a month and a half. I like I like hockey trades. And I that's think that's what Oilers makes Chikrin and Carlson different, right? Yes, because they have they, when you trade for them, they're here with you. I like those kind of trades because you're not just trading for this playoff run. You're trading for next year's playoff run and then the following year's playoff run. And now all of a sudden you got a stud top four defenseman. Well, in Carlson's spot, you got a top defenseman. I mean, Carlson's going to win the Norris this year. When I, I bet you, I mean, going if something happens with Eric Carlson. Go through the history of the National Hockey League as a Norris Trophy winning player been trading traded during the season that he won the Norris Trophy. Well, well, uh, well Thornton was traded for the Hart. Thornton was traded the year he won the Hart, didn't he? Um, did he go and win the Hart in San Jose? I can't uh, remember. During the 0506 season, traded to the Sharks. Yes, he got the Art Ross and the Hart. Oh, there you go. The so, um, with a Norris, so that's pretty I don't good. Know. I don't know about the Norris, but yeah, that's it's amazing that I, again I shocked that a guy with forty-four million dollars left on his contract. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of talk that he's going to be moved at the deadline, if not the deadline, probably this summer. Well, Carlson might, well, not might. He he's probably going to get a significant number of heart votes. I don't well, know if he's going to be if he finishes in the top five in scoring. I mean, he's. He's got, I think, last I saw was 18 or 19 goals. I mean, outside chance. I mean, you get 25 outside chance, he gets to 30. But, yeah, you're right. The the big difference for them is, and this is when Connor uh, and the Oilers didn't make the playoffs a few years ago. If San Jose doesn't make the playoffs, I don't know if you get Hart Trophy-type votes yeah, or should get Hart Trophy-type votes. But as far as the Norris, I mean, no one's even close to him. That's kind. That's the kind of year he's having. Oilers lose 5-4 in a shootout. Every time the Oilers score, it's a $100 donation to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. So 400 bucks.
tonight. All right, we will call a quick timeout. You're still going to hear from Jack Campbell and Leon Dreisaitl as well. You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Hop cuts to the middle, gets in over the Oilers line. Rasmussen left side. He gets run over by Bouchard. That is our crunch of the game for Cougar Payton Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years and counting. Uh, We're going to go back to Kevin here, Rob, because Kevin is a very special caller, uh, an uh, Edmontonian and lifelong Oilers fan who's now living in Atlanta, and uh, he listens to us quite often and is calling us for the first time, Rob. So we're going to give Kevin a a little more time on the open line. Kevin, you're back on, buddy. What else is on your mind? Look, man, uh, thanks for having me back on. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, it seems crazy to me that we have Barry, a power play specialist, who's, like, crushing it, right? And we're like, oh, how can we get a better power play specialist on B? And it's like, seriously, is that our number one focus for the trade deadline? Like, I want to know what else we're looking at. You know, that, that's that's a good point. And, and here to add on to that right now, the Oilers have the best power play in, in the NHL. And over the last they're going to they're breaking records. Carl's with, with Barry on the power play. Barry is the distributor. He's a guy that it'll come to him and he moves it quickly. He, he doesn't hold on to the puck very long. And obviously, when you got Connor and Leon, that's who you want the puck in their hands and Nugent Hopkins. So Barry, when it comes to him, it's going quickly to the net or it's going from one side to the other. Eric Carlson is not that kind of player. Eric Carlson, he's he's the McDavid of the San Jose Sharks power play. Everything goes through him. He holds on to it to a long time. He throws pucks on net. He would, it would be a different looking power play with Carlson. I mean, Connor and Leon want the puck, but so would Eric Carlson. So I'm not sure if how it meshes. Now, Eric Carlson is an incredible hockey player. He's going to win the Norris five on five. There's so many things he can do. But it's, I don't know if you improve the power play that much or that significantly with Carlson over Barry simply because Barry, to me, just moves it to the guys that need the puck. Carlson would want a puck. But it's like putting two guys that want to control the puck coming through the neutral zone on the same line. Well, there's only one puck. Um, there are other things that the Oilers need help with. I think they could still use some physicality on the back end. I think there's, in their top or excuse me, in their bottom six, I think they could use a good right-handed face-off man with some, a little bit of gur in, his, in him. I think a little bit of physicality. And is Yamamoto your answer in your top six? Is that what you want, or would it be better to have Yamamoto as a third-line guy and find a top six guy that can put the puck in the net? So there are other things that the others do need that are probably more reasonable of what they have a chance of getting. I mean... Stoff's promoted Lafferty because he's got speed. You know, in the orders, yep. they're not as slow as they used to be, but that used to be a really big problem. Uh, Actually, Lafferty scored a goal tonight, too. I saw that. I, I've talked about Luke Shen off and on, just more because of the experience and just depth. Well, um, and ch- and cheap. And cheap. You're right, not giving up not, a whole lot to you, get him. You can find a way to make that deal work. Yeah, and somehow. he's a guy that doesn't, he doesn't have to be in your lineup every night. That's a guy that you can trade for, that you have a depth player. So all of a sudden, your depth defenseman is a guy with a 1,000 NHL games that has gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. And he plays, he plays gnarly. He, he plays with anger. 
So yeah, there's a great depth pickup right there. That and he will be traded at the deadline. Someone will get Luke Shen at the deadline. Uh, Kevin, did not you and your creative partner Arlen make a film late last year? Yeah, no, yeah. Um, we're just a couple of Edmonton boys, and uh, we made a movie called How to Ruin the Holidays, starring Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? And, uh, yeah, it's going to be coming out next Christmas, but y- you don't got to give me promo shout-outs like this. I mean, we're talking hockey here, but I appreciate it so much. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we you can come on the show anytime you want. My son's an actor, needs a job. So there you go, tit for tat. How's that go? <laughs> Yeah, you got it, man. I got another movie I'm making this summer, so I'll give your son a shot. Kevin, thank you for calling. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, okay, so just some context here, and you may have heard me. So I, I didn't realize that was that Kevin at, at first. Uh, Rob, you made me heard you talk about these guys. Uh, Kevin and Arlen uh, always do a fringe show every year called Scratch, and they are incredible improvers. Impro- is that even a word? They do, they do improv, and well, they're just the creative guys. Now they've well, done a movie I, together, and I've, so, I've, I've so I've interviewed Kevin before uh, about his uh, about the this improv duo that he and Arlen are, and the show is called Scratch. They're always at the Fringe. They're amazing. I've I've, I've probably seen them. My son, it, well, he's a huge Fringe guy, being into acting, and he loves improv. So every time we go to the Fringe, we go to an improv show. So soon I, I'll send my son a text. He'll know exactly who we're talking about right now. So that's kind of neat that he's calling. Oilers have fans in all walks of life. That's really neat. Yeah, well, we had that show last year uh, where we, we brought that up. And then we, didn't we get like four calls from Australia or something like that? Well, that's where you said you, you weren't taking any calls from North America. You were only taking calls from Europe, yeah, and, and we, we kept st- getting them. And we still got them. Uh, okay. Uh, a call from Atlanta is our quick change for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. Oilers fall 5-4 in a shootout to the wings. Here's goaltender Jack Campbell. Yeah, just frustrating night. Uh, I thought the guys played a tremendous game in front of me. Uh, a couple, you know, tough ones uh, to give up tonight. But, you know, things have been going really well lately. Don't want to uh, lose the momentum from one game, but we'll, I'll definitely look at it and, and move on. You get a couple that go in. That was turned about the same guy off of Goldberg's leg. Uh, those are just breaks a goalie deals with, I assume. You know, yeah, I mean, you do. <laughs> no, I mean, things have been going really well for us, and uh, you know, those ones haven't been going in. So frustrating tonight they went in, but it is what it is. He's in a great spot out there, and uh, just hits him. I got to find a way to save that for him. That's about it. Despite some uh, bad luck there, huge save in the third period to keep the team in it. Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, trying to battle for the guys. They're, they're playing so well tonight and definitely deserve two points. But, uh, you know, Detroit played well, and, uh, you know, we'll definitely look at it and be ready to go for Thursday or Friday, yeah. Jack, you've been playing really well now for six, seven weeks. As you mentioned, when you want to look at things, what do you go back and look at, like, on the Mata goal? I saw your reaction. You felt like maybe you should have had that one. So when you go back and look, what are you looking for? Yeah, just some details. You know, I thought the first one, uh, I've been so patient the last, you know, six, seven weeks. Uh, you know, tonight, that first one, I just kind of got a little out of position and he found a hole and things like that. So I'll definitely look at it and uh, be ready to roll. All right, that is uh, Jack Campbell. I mean, I mentioned after the second period, four goals on 14 shots, not great. The, the, the one from the bad angle... I mean, do you sort of just say, okay, that, that's a bounce that went in, the one that made it two nothing late in the second period. The that the one that went off Broberg. Yeah. See, I don't I don't find that his problem. I don't think right. that's it, just like the the one that got beat from distance from 
uh, Fabry that went off. It looked like it went off the toe of Broberg as well because that was going wide. The one that, to me, the, the two that he would probably watch on replay again was the Dylan Larkin one from below the goal line. Uh, he, when you watched the replay, like he was completely uh, baffled on that one. I think he was playing a shot and was surprised that it went down to Larkin. So I think that one and then the long-range one. Again, it was a bomb from the point uh, that from Mata that was off a face-off. I mean, I, I don't know if he was screened, but it was, I mean, the guy got to walk into it with an absolute bomb. But again, you don't see a lot of goaltenders getting beat from distance. So when they do, they're like, oh, you know, I probably should. And, and it always, when the goalie in the other end is standing on his head, then it just seems, it, it magnifies anything that was, you know, uh, oh, that one probably should have had. It gets magnified because the other goalie's not letting those ones in. Yeah, and, it, and as you say, there, there's always, you can watch any highlights and you can think, oh, okay, he usually stops that or that's a tough one, but you probably can't have two like that. I mean, there was the one in... Uh, Ottawa that made it 3-3 you know kind of snuck past his glove you're thinking okay usually he stops that but it's one you know he held the other team to three if he holds Detroit to three tonight the Oilers likely win this game because they got it you're right well at the end of the night uh, Detroit had better goaltending and better specialty teams that usually wins hockey games and tonight it did for the Detroit Red Wings Wings take it 5-4 in a shootout so they've won four straight Still keeping their playoff hopes alive. The Oilers are now 30-19-6, as uh, we've been talking about. Not great in extra time, not just lately, but on the season. Looking around the NHL for Advantage Trailer Rentals, your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals, visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. A double shutout tonight for Ingram and Elliott, but Ingram gets the win as the Coyotes beat the Lightning 1-0 in a shootout. Avalanche dropped the Wild 3-2. Sabres... Take it to the Ducks, 7-3. Rangers get the win, 6-4 in Vancouver. Maple Leafs take down the Blackhawks, 5-2. So just quickly updating the Pacific Division standings. And as usual, Rob, I have too many tabs open on my computer. Here's the right one. <laughs> uh, Vegas, 68 points. LA, 67. Seattle, 66. Edmonton, 66. And Calgary, 61. Uh, Seattle gets placed above of Edmont- above Edmonton because they have a game in hand, both at 66 points. So uh, it is a good race, and uh, the Oilers have to settle for the point tonight. 780-496-0063. We have Rocket on the line as well. Rocket, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you guys too. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, Rob, about the goals, and especially the face-off. Uh, you win it cleanly, and if you're a D guy, any D guy, that gets two, three steps and walks into a puck that's coming your way and you get the blast at the other way, that's a hard stop for any goaltender in in, 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 any, in, in any league, I think. Well, uh, not only that, uh, not only that on that one too, it, it, you look at the goaltender, yeah, it beat him, but no one got in the shooting lane. I mean, that's, again, it yeah, wasn't it, as though it was, it wasn't bang, bang. That puck sat there and he walked into it. No one got into the shooting lane. So other players made mistakes on that goal as well. If you want to get better, be better at the face-offs. Nope. Absolutely. So, don't don't lose it clean. Don't lose it cleanly, right? So, yeah. And, and But I wanted to talk about the, the Carlson thing because I listen to a lot of shows and uh, the one stat that that really 
you know, pump my tires with this Carlson trade was, you know, the last number of teams uh, in recent memory, look at the last decade if you want, they've all had a Norris Trophy candidate type defenseman. Where's ours? So if you're looking at the Oilers and you're doing comparables to, you know, past former Stanley Cup Oiler championships, uh, you know, compare uh, McDavid to, to to Gretzky, Leon to Messier, Kane to Anderson, where's the coffee? And I think... I think if we do get, I think if we do pull this trade off, I I think we are a massive, massive contender. But I don't know, but I think where there's where there's smoke, there's fire. So I I think it's going to happen, and I think it's going to be a great thing, and I, I hope it does. Whether it's a two or three team deal. Yeah, well, you're right. There might have to be some, but again, Rob, like, then that's why it's so interesting to talk about because. This is the the Oilers have never been. Well, I shouldn't say never. Recently, I guess since they've kind of gotten good the last three or four years, right? Because unfortunately, the first few trade deadlines we worked together, it's like, okay, who are they trading <laughs> away? What picks are they exactly? Get? How, how bad is it going to be? Like this is really interesting. And, and and plus, hey, you know what? You can throw Kane or Taves into the equation. I mean, they might get traded. Maybe I mean this that. that Take the Oilers' story out of it for all our local fans. I mean, you could have a trade deadline that sees Eric Carlson, Evander Kane, and Jonathan Taves get traded. Like, what, that's three of the top 20 players from the last 15 years? Three of the well, top 10? Like, well, it, you, you throw those three out as well as Timo Meyer, and that's four right. players that are gonna, that are over $10 million a year. I mean, Meyer's going to sign for $10 million, and the other two are around 11 or 11.5 each. I mean, those players never get traded, let alone all in the same year at a trade deadline. It's shocking. It's going to be an exciting trade deadline. I think I would, I, in all, if the Oilers don't get a Carlson or a Chikrin, if the Oilers just get depth, I still believe they're a Stanley Cup contending team. I do believe they can, they can get out of the West. I think there's good teams. I don't think there's great teams in the West. I think Dallas is good. I think Winnipeg is good. I think Colorado has a chance to be better, but they're banged up right now, and they're, they're fighting to stay in the playoff race. I don't think there's – you go out east, well, now you got Boston, and now you got Carolina. they got some teams that are head and shoulders above everyone else. But out west, I don't see that. Uh, I think if the Oilers were to get a, a Carlson or a Chickren or something along that line, then yes, I think – they might jump to the head of the class in the Western Conference. But even if they don't, I do believe this team is good. Um, I, I don't know what they ha- in the Western Conference, any team, excuse me, in the, the Pacific Division, any team that is as good as the Oilers. I think the Oilers are the best of those teams. And then in the playoffs, you need a few things. You need great goaltending, but you need luck and health. And that's what teams go to the furthest. Is a team with, that gets some good breaks and stays the healthiest. But I, it is exciting, though. It's it's funny. I I talk more more about Oiler trades over the last month with friends because there's an excitement here. They're seeing what the Oilers have done as of late. They're seeing that Connor is again taking another step, which you didn't think was possible. The additions of of Hyman and Kane and the resurgence of uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, the consistency they have in net. 
So there is a lot of things to be excited about with the Edmonton Oilers. And the next two weeks leading up to this trade deadline, it's going to be all Oilers all the time because people are exciting about what this team can do. Yeah, and, and I feel like you know Chikrin's a really good player, and we haven't even talked about, about that as much. It's just because of the year Carlson is having. And see, that's... Okay, I'll throw this at you, Rob, because you you have always uh, you've always stuck to your guns that you would not trade a lot for a rental. Nope. But I wonder if maybe not for you, but I wonder if a lot of Oilers fans they would be more comfortable if Carlson were a rental because of his age. Like, what if he was a UFA at the end of the season, and you if just he, got well, him then... and said, "Okay, we just get him for this and the playoff run, and we go for it." And then if he's injury prone, or we you know we don't have to worry about overpaying him or anything, we just it's it's just the it's just till the end of the season. Then, in all honesty, that's when I might rethink my my rental thing because you're renting the Norris Trophy winner. Right. So okay, that that point, I'm like, oh, you know what? That's the guy. He's a Norris Trophy winning guy. I, and the thing is, a rental like that, there's well, he's if he wins a Stanley Cup, he might resign here if he likes it. So I would rethink, and he would be that much more attractive, and he'd be much easier to move. The thing is, if he was an unrestricted free agent at season's end, there would be a lot of teams. They would be lining up to get him because there's a lot of teams that can afford having him just for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I most teams say, can't. Af- most teams can't afford to have him for four more years. Yeah, I was going to say it might bring the price down, but then you're right. It would. There'd be so many teams involved. <laughs> so they could just be like, "Oh, hey, Team A just offered me this. Okay, Team B. Okay, Team C. You're next." But, but now again, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen in Edmonton. But I, there's this much talk that's been going on for this long that. Yeah, it uh, something that seems impossible might actually happen here in, in two weeks. That a guy making 11.5 million for four more years may move on to another team. Well, you're right because for, well, well, let's look at a lot of things. Mike Greer could have come, could have come out and said, "Okay, news conference. I'm not trading Eric and Carlson. Okay, quit talking about it." Eric Carlson could have come out and said, "I don't want to go anywhere." And, well, that, that, but it's, that's another thing that we haven't even talked about either. Is Eric Carlson? He does control where he goes, anyways. He's got a no-trade con- contract, so he can do whatever he wants. And a lot of the speculation that's Oilers-related is is not just obviously the reporting that there have been discussions and recent discussions is that he and Drysaddle and McDavid were you know kind of a trio at the All-Star Weekend, and who knows, right? Like you've been a player. It's not like oh, well, I'm not going to tell I'm not going to tell a guy on another team what it's like on my team, or you know we we can't well, have hypothetical discussions about what if we were teammates. Sure, you can. Well, and, and another thing to look at when it comes to a Carlson or a Taves or, or a Kane, those guys have played in huge games. Um, you know, Carlson Stanley Cups. He's gone to Game Seven uh, of the Conference Final. He's been in, in important games. Kane and Taves, they've played in one Stanley Cups. The having to play on bad teams and not be in the playoffs and know at December that you're just playing out the string is you get older. That's tough to take. It's just, you know, it, it, no, no hockey player ever gets into the game of hockey for the money. They get in the game of the hockey because they, they want to win championships. They want to win. They're all competitive. So for a Carlson or a Taves or a Kane, they're looking, you know what? If I can move on to a team and play an important game again, if I can be in the playoffs, if I can be on a team that actually has a chance to go somewhere in the playoffs, I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen. 
because when Kane, when Patrick Kane was here with the Blackhawks, his body language told me he does not want to be at the Chicago Blackhawks anymore. He does not want to be on a team that if they only lose 5-2, then it's a good night for them. So that's why a Carlson, Taves, Kane, those type of moves uh, become a little bit more uh, believable because those players want to taste uh, playoff hockey again. They're tired of being bat- on bad hockey clubs. Well, Kane, I can't remember the exact quote, but Kane basically said he was disappointed when he saw the, the Tarasenko trade to the Rangers. Yeah, because that was one of the teams that he wanted to go yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, and, and Kane was very vocal last year. Both he and Taves were very vocal when the Blackhawks traded, uh, I think it's Hagel, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're like, I, why? They're like, he's good. He's young. And they trade him. And some of the moves that the Blackhawks have made, they've traded some pretty good players away. So those Tave and Canes, I mean, I again, I love Patrick Kane, one of the most exciting players the NHL has had in 15 years. He is good. But to me, the one that makes more sense for the Oilers is Jonathan Taves, a penalty killer, a guy that can put out against the other team's top players. He wins faceoffs at over 60%. That's a guy that the Edmonton Oilers would love to have in their lineup. Okay, Oilers lose 5-4 in a shootout to the Wings. Let's go back down to the Oilers dressing room. It's Leon Dreisaitl. It's probably a bit of a frustrating loss for you, Leon. What do you think about the, the team played overall? Um, yeah, I thought we, we played pretty good. A uh, couple um, breakdowns that, um, you know, they capitalized on. Um, they really didn't get much. Uh, I thought we dominated the, whole, the entire game pretty much. So um, definitely a frustrating one, but hard, hard to win in this league when, when you give up four. <coughs> this uh, give up for defensive play, team play, bad luck, two of them went off legs. How do you talk about the, we think about the four that went in? Yeah, I mean, two are bad bounces. The other two are probably just, uh, yeah, a little bit of communication. Uh, just, yeah, a couple of tough bounces, but again, uh, it doesn't matter if you if you give up four. It's it's hard to win. Obviously, good good rally back, but um, we would have liked that extra point. You talked about bounces here with, with the goals against. It's been a couple games now where the goals against have piled up compared to the way things have been going. Maybe a sign of defensive struggles, or has it just been a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, other teams are trying to score too, you know. It's not, uh, it's, it's a hard league, so um, definitely things that we can improve on, no doubt. Um, you know, analyze it and, you know, be better. The game, Leon, you feel like maybe you guys gave away had lots of chances, didn't score, you had lots of possession time, almost two to one in shots. And, I don't want to say wasted opportunity, but is, is that a wasted opportunity? Yeah, a wasted point, for sure. Um, like I said, I thought we we played pretty well for the most part. Um, again, a couple, uh, couple mistakes, uh, you know, they capitalized on and um, thought we, like I said, dominated for, for the most part of the game. So definitely, uh, yeah, a lost point. A weird overtime. Three minutes, there was no shots between two teams. I don't know if that's ever happened. Two icings, just kind of a, an odd overtime. Yeah, uh, I think you know, a lot of times stuff gets created off of shots, right, going the other way. So if there's no shots, there's not really any breaks going the other way. So, um, yeah, it was a snoozy one. Three-on-three <laughs> um, three overtimes have been so kind for you guys of late um, for a team with your scoring powers. Do you feel that three-on-threes are a bit of a lottery? Shootouts are a bit of a lottery? Three-on-three, <laughs> um, three, um, I mean, 
you know, teams teams adjusted over the last couple of years, and teams, uh, um, you know, every team has has really good skaters and really skilled players. So, um, you know, every team's going to put their best players out. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a toss up. All right, that is Leon Dreisaitl got a patented one-timer goal on a power play. Nugent Hopkins scored twice. Derek Ryan scored, but the Wings win it 5-4 in a shootout. Get more on the game, more on the Oilers, and more on a busy week for the Edmonton Elks as well on globalnews.ca or 630ched.com. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy and Troy Bowler for their technical work this evening. Oilers Hockey is presented by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Next game broadcast is Friday, 5.30 face-off show. Puck drop 7, Oilers Rangers.